listening to Rattle and Pedal, diversion thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Your hosts are Jason Malicki and Jeff McKay. So Jeff, a couple of weeks ago, I had a call with a CEO of a pretty big consulting firm, $20 million firm. And he told me, Jason, we don't have any salespeople in our organization. I, I hate salespeople. They can't sell what we do. <laughs> I kind of laughed, but I thought, you know, that's interesting because like that was around the time you and I were agreeing, we're going to do a whole series on, on sort of modern selling and, and this professional services selling, I guess. It just seemed like such a timely thing. So what I thought we would do is we're, we're opening the series. And what I want to do is just open with kind of like forming an image of what everyone thinks of as sales and what people think of as selling and kind of demystify that in episode one in the series as we kind of peel back the layers of, of modern professional services selling. So I'm putting you on the spot. Conjure up an image of a salesperson for me, or, or, or the, when you think of sales just in general, the, 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 the conceptual idea of selling and sales, what comes to mind? I'm still laughing at your opening <laughs> comment. <laughs> it's pretty that crazy. Was, I mean, what a classic line. You should write that down. It's so multidimensional. It seems like a simple statement, but it really is a multidimensional comment that he made. It was hilarious when he said it. I, 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 all I could do was laugh. And then he went on to say, he's like, but he, is, he, he doesn't have any client service people because he thinks that that's ridiculous too. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a super successful firm growing at like a 90% clip. So I'm just like, wow. I've only talked to him for 20 minutes. I don't know him that well yet, but it's just interesting. <laughs> These lenses he'd put on the world that, that <laughs> and, and how he approached them. So, but I thought there was a lot in that. Let's dive in. Sorry, sorry. And let's hold on to that because I think we're going to come back to that statement time and time again, because it is profound, not to overstate, but it is profound <laughs> in its multidimensionality and it'll come through as we talk. So, man, you know, if you'd asked me those questions, what's a typical salesperson at the start of my career, in my mid-career, and now it has evolved so much. But I don't think the stereotype has evolved way too much. The, the image that images that come to my mind is the used car salesman, the insurance salesman, the life insurance salesman, the full of brush person. You know, they have one opportunity and they need to close it now. And they're not really caring about you. They're caring about getting the sale. And I think that kind of would have been the quintessential example. But as you asked me that, I started thinking about what's the modern equivalent of that? And in my mind, it's the majority of SaaS companies. You know, in this inbound world, if you go download something, they pounce on you like, <laughs> you know, my cat attacking the mouse. Or a better metaphor would be, you know, a lion running down an antelope. Nothing it's like crazy. nothing like feeling like the vulnerable antelope on an oh. open open pasture as you're getting mauled. <laughs> oh my god! It does. If you sign up for a webinar, you know you have to check the terms of agreement, and that just means we're going to inundate you with inbound emails. It's well, you know I'll tell a funny, another side funny story. I'm at a conference like five years ago. I speak at this conference in, in San Francisco. And after the conference, this woman walks up to me. She's like, Jason. And she's like, I just want to thank you. I was like, oh, okay, why? She's like, well, you know, I attended your webinars, downloaded all your content. She's like, I love everything you write. And she's like, and you've never like hard sold me ever. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like 
that was a surprise to her that I hadn't like aggressively chased her down and, and hunted her like the antelope on the field. <laughs> and I'm like, how crazy is that? That that's a surprise, that that's not going to happen versus the expectation that that's what should happen, right? It's exactly right. It's like yeah. walking into your favorite retail store and somebody coming up to you and just saying, can I help you? Right? We're all like, no, just looking. Yeah. Even though we usually do need a lot of help, we're just yes, afraid to ask. Yes, but that's not how we want to be approached. You know, when I set that up and I kind of put you on the spot and I know you were hesitant to do that and I appreciate that you did because I love that the juxtaposition you described. There's this quote that you hear played a lot that I think is emblematic of the whole thing and, and it's the phrase, I'm sure you've heard it a million times, and that guy could sell ice to an Eskimo, right? And it's this idea that a great salesperson is someone that can somehow trick you into buying something you don't want or need, and that makes them great. They sold you something you clearly didn't need, and then they walked away. And I think that's the, the image of sales, you know? And even the image from some business leaders of what they want their sales organization to look like is someone that can sell in any environment, any situation, no matter what. And I actually think it's sort of at odds with reality or modern reality, at least in the B2B environment. Definitely. And the more things change, the more things stay the same. Hmm. You're always going to have those salespeople that are transactional and just looking for the quick hit. And you're going to have those salespeople that sincerely care about people and helping them out. What really is evolving is the technology that supports that type of selling, whether it's pouncing or it's helping. But I think that's the real revolution, if you will, in content marketing or complex selling is it's we now have even better tools to enable good behaviors or bad behaviors. Yeah, I think that's a really great insight. We want to get to that. I want to jump on the phrase. You basically threw it out there. You said there are transactional sellers and sellers as helpers, something along those lines. I kind of picked on one's phrase in your comment. Talk about that. Because I, I think the central question for this particular episode and leading up to the series is, you know, what is modern selling? And I want you to jive into that a little bit. Jive? Dive. <laughs> I want you to jive into that. That would be really weird. <laughs> Well, I had a thought till you supplanted it with oh, jive. <laughs> with jive. What was the question again? I forget. Oh, no. the transactional <laughs> versus the, yeah. the helping. You said there's always going to be transactional sellers, yeah. but then you, the other side of it, I thought you said was basically people that are, that, are, that are helpers, that sincerely want to help. Yes. And I think that's just born out of, uh, and, and we talked about this in, in fear, right? So you have fears of the salespeople fears of the buyers coming together and either blending or impacting, you know, like a car hitting a brick wall at top speed. We have different perspectives on the world. And this is why in that intellectual capital podcast, we talked about about having a strong point of view out there and getting people to align or not getting people to align with it, but just articulating so people align with it. But one of the, I think, really positive things that has evolved in sales and marketing and client service delivery, and I would argue that modern selling is is marked by the fact that buyers do not differentiate between those three silos, like we people 
you know, like we structure and, firms to deliver to, to, yes. for those functions to be silos, but they don't. And, yeah. Right. It's not my fault. It's not my responsibility. Somebody else could do it. If you did a better job, you know, I'd have better leads or, you know, if sales did a better job of scoping, client service delivery would be able to deliver more effectively, you know, pick your problem. But I think the content marketing phenomenon has created some good things and some some bad things. So the number one thing, and and I wrote on this and talking about getting the buyer's journey process back on track because it has gotten off track into this transactional, you know, inundation of information. But the real opportunity for helping versus transactional, we know the transactional, right? The use salespeople, the life insurance, blah, blah, blah. But the helpful people need to know along that buyer's journey when and what and how to help. And the best salespeople know how to do that. The worst salespeople either don't think that way or they haven't figured out what that means. And one of the main areas where I think marketers and professional services firms or SaaS companies spend way too much time is in problem definition and, you know, building awareness. And buyers are just inundated with content. And some of it's helpful. A lot of it is not. Where I think the best salespeople can help is Understanding the buyer's journey, really understanding the problem, because that's what buyers want. They want to feel understood. But knowing when and where and what and how to bring helpfulness to bear. And the majority of the time, in my experience, where salespeople are most helpful is sorting through all the noise and then really immersing themselves into the complex selling process and helping buying committees validate solutions. And then more importantly, build consensus because in these complex selling situations and the majority of professional services stuff is that way, it's how do we make a buying decision and get it through all this political chaos that is, you know, the modern large corporation. And that's where anticipating and having solutions for those types of problems are where the best salespeople are helping today. I, everything you said was really awesome. I mean, like I won't use the word profound, as you said. I feel like profound is reserved for Gandhi. <laughs> you know? It's like on some levels, yeah, you know, that guy's really profound. Really? Really? He's talking about like, you know, I don't know. Social media. Anyway, so what I love about it though is, is you talked about helping, but you took helping, it's like helping 2.0. You took it to another level. You said it was not about, like you think about the, the inbound marketing movement and it was, you dial this thing back a decade, right? To 2008 or whatever, when all content marketing was kind of blowing up. And, and this idea was that, you know, you were helping by educating, like you're educating the buyer and that's helping them. But I love the way you framed it. You took it a layer beyond that and said, no, helping now is not about that. I mean, customers are plenty educated. They understand that they have so many options of, of learning. It's, it's, they can't handle it. And I love how you broke it down. You said it's sorting through the noise, validating solutions and building consensus. And it seems to me like the, the last two in particular are where modern sellers are now functioning. They're saying, look, my job is to help the buyer make a good choice and I can help them do that and get consensus around that choice. As you said, like, you know, it's like make the right choice and then get organizational 
you know, buy-in and will and energy to move forward on it. And that's where I can help as a professional seller. So I love it. I, I love that frame of reference. Because when I set this up, I kind of wrote down, I was like, well, to me helping, I wrote down, it was helping the buyer make informed decisions, helping them make good decisions and helping them make aligned decisions, which is, like, we kind of came at the same thing. Like, it was, you know what I mean? Like we both kind of came to the same conclusion on our own. I love it. Let's go to selling 3.0 then. Because is that when robots sell to robots and we don't have to be involved? No. Just, oh, well. see, I'm looking forward to that. That was my goal as an introvert. <laughs> That's where I want to. Be. I want to automate my whole life. No, sorry. Go ahead. Selling actually, 3.0. Actually, in some ways, it is in selling 3.0. This gets back again, and and why this is so important, and so many firms just don't understand this. You have to kill the silos. You have to have a strong point of view and you have to think strategically about your intellectual capital agenda. And the way to do, well, not the way to do that, why you have to do that. And going back to our intellectual capital strategy setting podcast, we said the reason that intellectual capital is so important is because their core is constantly under pressure and that the performance envelope has to evolve at the periphery. And one of the big distinction between the solutions in the core and the solutions at the periphery is marked by the indicator of an RFP. So in your core, it's whether normally- Whether it exists well, at all? What's that? that? You're saying? Whether, whether an RFP exists at all? Is that what you're saying? For the most part, it, it, yeah. a, a core is going to be well-established, repeatable, and clients understand it very well. Therefore, they have, you know, kind of industry standard or detailed RFPs. Yep. Right. But when you start to move out to the periphery and you're solving problems, you know, and I say problems in a very undefined way, there's no RFP that kind of fits that because we really don't know what the problem is and what the potential solution is because the issue may be new. You know, buying an audit is an RFP you know, solving how we kind of grow when we don't know if it's our partners that are impact, you know, this is like the BS of PS stuff, right? Is it because we can't get our strategic priorities aligned? Is it because we have a culture of optionality? Is it because we lack trust? Is it, you know, what is that? I never get RFPs, just never. I mean, everything that comes to Prudent Pedal is always either starts off with something that may be defined, but more often than not is nebulous and needs definition. The intellectual capital agenda and that performance envelope where real selling and helping occurs is at the periphery of the performance envelope <laughs> because people need salespeople at that point because there isn't all of this codification of the problem and the solution and the way forward. And there was some great research by Miller Hyman that was put out on this on when buyers really want to engage with salespeople and the intellectual capital agenda and what marketing is doing needs to enable these types of conversations. But the things that drive I want to engage with the salesperson and I want to engage much earlier than I would in the traditional transactional, I'll inform myself in content marketing approach is 
the area is going to be new for the buyer. I have never been here before, like I said. Two, the solution, the problem, I should say, is risky for the organization. If we don't get this right, it could really damage our business. Three, the buyer who's in charge with solving the problem, if he or she doesn't get it right, their career could be at risk. And then this one is really important, I think, to professional services as well, and the complex selling in general, is it's cutting across a whole bunch of different departments. And this is why I say problem definition is, or redefinition is one, validating the solutions, because there's going to be a whole bunch of solutions. And then building consensus is why the intellectual capital agenda and all that stuff we talk about is so important because it empowers modern selling. Okay, that was a lot to unpack. Oh my gosh. <laughs> We're going to have to have Wayne like cut that into 20, 30 paragraphs. You kind of went on a roll there. But well, there was a couple of things that jumped out to me that, that I thought were interesting. And, and, and I've, I was trying to form this in my mind as you were talking. And it was this vague idea that, okay, if I were looking for someone to help me build an algorithm, that's something I can build an RFP for. If I were looking for someone to help me figure out how to remove bias inside of my existing algorithm that's based on AI, that's a fuzzy problem on the periphery, <laughs> right? And so there's like kind of like there's like those analogies like that are what were jumping out to me as you were talking was like there's these core solutions that kind of get rolled up all the time, but on the edge of that, there's these really fuzzy complex ones that and you I thought you did a pretty good job of describing what they look like. They're risky to the client organization. They're risky to the, the individual buyer. They cut across you know functions that in spaces where they really, they not only need help from a seller, they want help. They're looking for someone to help them make sense of this noise. And in that situation, they're looking for you to educate them. They're looking for you to steer and guide them. And they're looking for you to help me make a decision that's in my best interests, not in the best interests of your firm. You're listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on growing your professional services firm. Your hosts are Jason Malicki, Principal of Rattleback, the marketing agency for professional services firms, and Jeff McKay, former CMO and founder of strategy consultancy, Prudent Pedal. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to Jason and Jeff. I come back to, I think that is the definition of modern selling. And I think if that's the central message of this podcast is what is modern selling? I mean, I think it's those things. It's it's educating, steering and guiding and validating and building consensus. It's helping the client do those things. I think you're spot on. And you can't do that unless, and this will make some people uncomfortable, your heart's in the right place, right? You have to sincerely want yeah. to help, even if it's sincerely not Sincerely care. Yeah. You need to sincerely care. But you, you need to understand two important things. And most professional services firms don't understand this. And you have said this a lot. You say that professional services firms um, <laughs> fall in love with their solutions, right? Yeah, I you, you, in, my show, in my notes prep for this, I have it written down, stop being a solution in search of a problem. <laughs> th that's exactly right. You need to start listening and not be the hammer looking for the nail, but you need to understand the value of your solution or your core capabilities, not your solution, your core capabilities, because they can be applied in a number of different solutions. And that's why I love the word solutions versus offering or services. 
people are buying solutions to problems, so I prefer solutions. But you need to understand the value that you provide in terms of value. Is it growth? Is it efficiency? Is it financial performance? And then you need to understand how the buyer's actually defining their problem. And we don't listen long enough because we have pattern recognition and we say, oh, yeah, here's a solution to what they just said. But there are so many different ways to interpret a solution within an organization. If you don't understand that, you're, you're not going to narrow the solutions and you sure as heck are not going to be able to build consensus around them because people are defining the problem differently or the solution that they actually want. And I mean, there's any number of examples that illustrate that, I think. I mean, can you think of some? I don't want to monopolize. <laughs> no, actually, I can't. I'll throw a couple out. Going back yeah. to, you know, kind of our SaaS providers in professional services. This one will get you all fired up. Let's talk about HubSpot. <laughs> oh, God. HubSpot, for example, that's software. What are people actually buying when they buy HubSpot in your mind? I have absolutely no idea, which is why I don't use it. (laughs) (laughs) I I have no clue what problem they're solving for at this point in time. There was a point in time when they had a really clear problem statement that they were designing for. And that was like 15 years ago. And now it's like they just turn into mush. Like they're like solving for a million problems on the edges and I don't have any idea what they are anymore. That and that, that's just be being totally honest. Like maybe that was your, what you're looking for. Maybe it's not. I mean, I think at the end of the day, people just want better sales and marketing, right? They want more successful, more effective sales and marketing. Yeah, um, I think that's over. That I think that's overarching. I think there's also this kind of assumption. Well, we have to have some technology, right? Yeah. Everybody else has it, so it's fear of missing out. But HubSpot to me is an excellent solution to the problem of a buyer wanting a a single source of truth because it's all integrated. It's all in one platform. You don't have to be moving data from this app to that app or things like that. So people just want that single source of truth because they have service, they have sales, and they have marketing all coming in and they want one view of, of that perspective or of the potential buyer or customer. But I also think HubSpot has a great user interface. And if you want adoption and you want to keep it simple vis-a-vis something like Salesforce, HubSpot is great for those people. So if you need something simple to encourage adoption and you want a single source of truth, I think HubSpot does that better than anybody. Now, you might argue, are their forms good or their automation engine good? That's not the problem we just defined. Right. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to tear down HubSpot again. I, I get tired of doing that. But my one overarching comment before we wrap is that those aren't really necessarily tangible core business problems anymore, right? I would disagree. Well, no, listen I, to me for a second, though. What is the core business problem that marketing technology exists to solve for? Grow revenue, reduce costs. Those are the fundamental things, right? Those are ancillary problems to that, right? So like if the central problem is how do I grow revenue? That's what I care about. Those things are just, those are like software features and benefits, right? So that's like, that's where my criticism of them falls is that they've lost sight of the central problem that they were built to solve for 15 years ago. And now it's not clear what the central problem is they're solving for because they've kind of shifted to how do I make HubSpot differentiate from the, your other options, right? But that's a side conversation. Anyway, Jason, that's a good one. It's a fair criticism of that. And that's why I say you have to, your intellectual capital agenda 
and the value you provide, you have to decide what that is. Are you helping people grow? Are you helping them be more efficient? Are you helping increase financial performance? Those are the three overarching value buckets. But then you you have to come down to the next layer. And that right there in this conversation we're having right now is where salespeople and the best salespeople are able to get to that nugget of what we're really buying. We want to grow. Everybody wants to grow. But what's the problem in the way of us growing? Yeah. And to your point, in that narrow scenario, how does a single source of truth help me do that better than what I have now? Exactly. Um, you know, And I think that that's the thing that that's not clear. Anyway, moving on. So what I want to do, since we're out of time, I want to basically just set up the series real fast. And we had a really healthy kind of lively discussion today about what is modern selling. And I don't know that we came to like a, I had a very crisp, simple answer to it when we opened the podcast. And I think it got a little mushier than that, but that's okay. Because that was the whole idea. But I want to just talk about everything we're going to try to cover in this series, because this is a series on professional services selling. And, and so here, listeners, this is what you have kind of got coming down the pipe here. So we are going to talk about RFPs and the problems with them. We started talking about that a little bit today. We're going to talk about doers, sellers, and the problems with that. We're going to talk about cross-selling. We're going to talk about value-based pricing and value-based selling. We'll talk about navigating the complex sale. We'll talk about consensus-based decision-making. We're going to cover everything that you ever wanted to know, I guess, about modern professional services selling. So, but we won't give you a definition. Fun. No, we're not going to tell you what it is, though. No, that's, that's actually, you know who gave the best the definition? I think Brian Caffarelli. Good revenue versus bad revenue. Yeah, yeah. The one I the one I glommed onto was Mark Wainwright's. So, oh, both good podcast one. guests of ours, and where he said modern selling is helping. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you took that kind of like a couple of layers further, which is great. Kind of because you said what is helping, and you and you broke it down today. Well, this was a lot of fun, great opening, you know, salvo for the series that is to come here. <laughs> so fun for uh, you. It's going to be a lot of fun. What's that? Fun for you. Well, you know, I, I think your brain is always fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I think I'm going to go have another cup of coffee because I have brain fog there. <laughs> you know, that was my goal. <laughs> All right, man. So next week, we're going to j- jump into this further. So great kickoff, and this will be a fun, fun series. Sounds good. See you, buddy. See ya. Thank you for listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Find content related to this episode at rattleandpedal.com. Rattle and Pedal is also available on iTunes and Stitcher.